Section 71 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 5, Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 71. The Execution of Louis the Sixteenth, seventeen ninety three, by Edmond Biret. I once more take up my diary to jot down all the details I have been able to gather concerning the sacrifice of the twenty first of January. The night between the twentieth and the twenty first had been a cold and rainy one. At daybreak it was still raining, but the snow, which had the night before covered Paris with an immense pall, had partially disappeared. Patrols marched slowly through the streets. From all quarters came the roll of the drum and the blare of the trumpet, calling citizens to arms. House doors opened, and men, both young and old, hurried off to their various sections, in obedience to the orders of the Conseil General of the Department and the order of the day issued by Santerre on the 20th. By seven o'clock, more than 150,000 men were under arms at the various posts assigned to them. The Third Legion, comprising the citizens of the Gravier, Arcy, and Lombard sections, is drawn up in the Place de la Révolution. The post of honor, opposite the scaffold, at the entrance of the Champs-Élysées, is occupied by the battalions of federates from Aix and Marseille. At eight o'clock the rain ceases, but a thick, cold mist lies upon the city. Not a single shop or warehouse is open, and all the windows are hermetically closed. In several places the following notice, written by hand, has been posted up. To the people, the assembly can drag an innocent king to the scaffold, and by thus outraging the feelings of the world, bring unutterable misfortunes upon us. What has it to fear? Nothing. None but honest folk are opposed to it. Are its decrees those of a god that they cannot be revoked? Let us save him. There is still time." Santerre, accompanied by a formidable train of artillery, arrived at the temple a little after eight o'clock, and went straight to the king's apartments, followed by seven or eight municipal officers and ten gendarmes. Louis received him with perfect tranquillity. "'Have you come for me?' he asked. "'Yes. Very well. I want to be alone with my confessor for a few minutes. Then I will be at your disposal.' Hereupon he entered an inner room, and returned almost immediately after, holding his testament in his hand." Addressing the municipal officers, he said, Is there some member of the commune amongst you? The priest, Jacques Roux, stepped forward. I beg you, sir, to place this document in the hands of the president of the Conseil General. That's not my business, replied Jacques Roux. I am here to take you to the scaffold. You are right, observed the king, and thereupon handed his testament to Baudray, a commissioner on duty in the temple, who promised to deliver it to the commune. After having commended Clary, his valet, and his former servants in the Tuileries and at Versailles to the municipal officers, he looked at Santerre and said in a firm voice, Let us go. A start is made. At the top of the stairs, the king's eyes fall upon Mathay, the concierge of the tower. He stops and says, I was somewhat hasty a day or two ago. Pray forgive me. They go down. The king walks across the first courtyard, between a double hedge of pikes and bayonets. 
twice does he turn around to look at the tower in which he leaves sister children and wife on reaching the second court he finds a carriage awaiting him with two gendarmes stationed at the door the carriage is painted green and is that of the minister clavier louis gets in his confessor taking a seat beside him whilst the front seat is occupied by a lieutenant and a quartermaster of the gendarmerie the abbe edgeworth is not in clerical garb but wears a plain black coat as the carriage leaves the temple cries of mercy mercy are uttered by some women followed by an ominous silence from the temple to the boulevard the street was lined with more than ten thousand armed men along each side of the boulevard was a line of men four deep all carrying guns or pikes there could not have been less than eighty thousand a train of artillery headed the procession which was composed of twelve thousand to fifteen thousand armed men immediately before the king's carriage a large number of drummers and trumpeters kept up an incessant din behind it came more artillery as the carriage passed the port st denis four men one of them the eldest flourishing a naked sword dashed through the quadruple line of soldiers and repeatedly shouted help frenchmen help us to save the king to this heroic appeal there was no response and the four royalists dashed back through the broken line and amongst the astonished crowd the man with the sword and one of his companions succeeded in escaping but the two others were seized just as they were entering a house in the rue de clary and were cut to pieces on the threshold meanwhile the procession continued to move towards the place de la revolution the journey from the temple to the end of the rue royale had taken more than an hour during this time louis his face half hidden by a round hat with a wide brim was engaged in reading from his confessor's breviary the prayers for the dying and the psalms of david when the carriage at length stopped the king raising his head half closed the book and said to the abbe here we are if i am not mistaken the abbe bowed and louis turned once more to his breviary and read the last verses of the psalm he had left unfinished at that moment one of samson's assistants opened the carriage door and let down the step the king calmly finished his last prayer returned the book to the abbe and laying his hand on the confessor's knee said to the lieutenant and his comrade gentlemen i recommend the abbe to your protection neither of the officers having replied the king repeated in a somewhat louder tone i charge you to see that no harm is done to him after my death all right all right replied the lieutenant we'll see to that the king then got out of the carriage without any assistance it was just twenty minutes past ten he was wearing a brown coat and white waistcoat gray breeches and white stockings his hair was neatly arranged and his face betrayed no signs of agitation he then advanced with a firm step to the scaffold which had been erected between the avenue of the champs elysees and the pedestal of louis the fifteenth's statue overturned after the tenth of august an immense space lined with cannons had been railed off round the scaffold turning to the armed masses which surround him the king in a tone of command orders the drummers to be silent they obey but santerre who is on horseback a short distance off comes hastening up and by his orders the drummers resume their task the headsman and his assistants now crowd round the monarch and wish to help him to undress he pushes them away and taking off his cravat with his own hands proceeds to divest himself of his coat under which he was wearing a white swansdown waistcoat with sleeves he then turns down the shirt to leave his neck free and kneels at the feet of the abbe edgeworth to receive the last benediction 
Rising once more, he places his foot on the first step of the ladder that leads to the scaffold, but the assistants stop him and try to seize his hands. "'What is it you want?' he asks. "'To bind your hands.' "'Bind my hands? Never. It's not necessary. I'm quite calm.' The executioners raise their voices and seem to call for assistance. "'Sire,' says the abbé, "'in this fresh insult I see but an additional trait of resemblance between your majesty and the god who is about to reward you.' The king submits, and holding out his hands, says to the executioner, Do what you will, I will drain the cup to the dregs. They then tie his hands with his handkerchief and cut off his hair. All is now ready. Louis looks at the scaffold for a moment, and receives the following words from his confessor as a last encouragement. Go, son of Saint-Louis, heaven awaits you. Bravely he mounts the steps of the scaffold, but as they are extremely steep and his hands are tied, he leans his elbow on the abbe's arm. Whilst the priest remains kneeling on the topmost step, Louis rapidly crosses the platform, and on reaching the opposite side, looks towards the Tuileries, and again imposes silence upon the drummers by an imperious gesture. In a loud voice that is heard as far as the Pont Tournant, he utters these words, Frenchman, I die innocent of all the crimes with which I am charged. Turning to the executioners, Santerre shouts, Don't let him speak! A few cries of mercy, mercy are heard, and the crowd shows signs of great agitation. Many of the citizens want Louis to speak, but most of them are opposed to this and encourage the executioners to do their duty. Santerre issues an order to the drummers, and the interrupted roll of the drums is resumed with fresh vigor. The headsman's assistants now seize the king, who unresistingly allows himself to be led to the board. Whilst he is being strapped down, he utters the following words in loud, distinct tones. I forgive all those who have sought my death. I pray to God that the blood you are about to shed may not be avenged on France. And you, unhappy people. He says no more. It is twenty-four minutes past ten, and the knife has done its work. Whilst the men of the Republic were performing their hideous task, the man of God was on his knees on the steps of the scaffold, reciting the prayers for the dying. He did not budge till the knife had fallen. Then, passing unmolested through the ranks of the soldiers, he became lost in the crowd. The crime was perpetrated. One of the executioners, the youngest, almost a boy, took up the king's head by the hair and showed it to the people from the four sides of the scaffold. At the sight of this, a few shouts of Vive la République are raised. Soon these are multiplied and are re-echoed back from all parts of the Place de la Révolution, and repeated along the quays, Vive la République! Vive la Liberté! Vive l'égalité! May all tyrants perish so! Hats are stuck on the ends of guns and pikes, the citizens embrace each other in wild delight, and joining hands they form a ring and dance around the scaffold. This example is followed in several other parts of the square, and dancing goes on as far as the Pont de la Liberté. The boys of the Collège des Quatre Nations who witness this horrible spectacle from their schoolroom windows, wave their caps and shout, Vive la République! Meanwhile, the National Guards, Federates, and Gendarmes posted round the scaffold dip their pikes, bayonets, and swords in the warm blood that is trickling down. The officers of the Marseille Battalion dip their letters in it, and as they afterwards march through the streets of the city at the head of their companies, they stick these letters on the points of their swords and, flourishing them, shout, This is the blood of a tyrant! A man climbs onto the scaffold and plunges his naked arm into the tyrant's blood. 
he then takes a handful of it and besprinkles the crowd that surges round the foot of the platform eager to catch a drop or two brothers cries the man as he performs this hideous rite brothers they have told us that the blood of louis capet will be on our heads well let it be louis capet has so often washed his hands in ours republicans a king's blood brings luck and for this blood the crowd still hungers people fight to dip the tips of their fingers a handkerchief a pen or a scrap of paper in it a young man who looked like an englishman gave a boy fifteen francs to dip a very fine linen handkerchief in the few drops of blood that were left one of the executioner's men seated on the edge of the scaffold sells small packets of the king's hair the ribbon with which it was tied back fetches ten francs a sans culotte named Huse also makes his way onto the scaffold and seizing the king's coat holds it up at the end of a pike the coat is immediately torn to shreds by the crowd and every one is anxious to secure a piece of it the king's hat which was left lying on the bottom step of the scaffold is also torn into fragments and distributed the crowd gradually disperses the fog that has been hanging over the city since morning has become more dense every shop workshop and warehouse is closed in the afternoon a few of them are opened as on minor fete days patrols continue to parade the deserted streets the silence of which is only broken occasionally by the bloodthirsty cries and savage capers of a few abandoned wretches end of section seventy one this recording is in the public domain recording by colleen mcmahon